Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the minicast where we, le- we love to teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And one of the other things we love to teach is how to publish your own book and how to become a better storyteller. And of course, us travelers, we love to tell stories. I, uh, you know, we're currently traveling here in the Philippines and I'm going to be giving a TEDx talk in about two weeks. And I'm even now I'm debating, should I tell that story? Should I tell that story? Because I have like too many stories and I'm trying to make a decision which story will be the best for the audience. So super excited about that. Make sure you check out our website for a lot of stories at daddyblogger.com. And one of the uh, things I love to do is interview fellow entrepreneurs, fellow storytellers, fellow writers, fellow travelers on our show. We have an amazing one on the show here today. Her name is Deborah Kevin. And Deborah is the, um, she is a writer, editor, and storyteller. And we're gonna be finding out all about these aspects of uh, entrepreneurship and especially we're going to go do a deeper dive into how you who are listening watching here today can tell your story better so deborah how are you doing today i'm doing really well thank you so much we have sunshine here in maryland it's such a nice change <laughs> that's good to hear good to hear we also have sunshine here in the philippines it's actually super hot now here in uh october november into december january february so very different than where i'm from which is vancouver in vancouver right now it's rainy cloudy overcast gloomy so I'm super grateful to be here in T-shirt and shorts as I do this interview with you. Ah, oh, such a gift. <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, Deborah, uh, why do we get to know you and your story? Because we are going to talk about storytelling. So yeah. what, better, what better place to start than not just with your bio, but with your own personal story? So why don't you share your story of how you got to be where you are today? Oh, gosh, how I got to be where I am today is a long and winding road of a story, (laughs) but I'll abbreviate and just say that, you know, I have been a writer my whole life. I love stories as a kid. um, I was a perpetual new girl. And so I dealt with my shyness and my, my, um, my uh, trying to integrate by, by kind of withdrawing into stories and really sinking into them. So I became a reader very young and I still am a voracious reader. But what I realized was that what connected me to people wherever I was, was the shared kind of humanity that either we connected through our own stories or the the, the books that we collectively shared. And so it became this entree into um, the world. Um, And so I didn't take that path. I didn't believe that I could make a living as a writer or an editor or a storyteller. And I became, uh, of all things, an accountant. (laughs) And so, uh, but during that time, even then, people would bring their emails or the newsletter and say, hey, do you want to run this? Will you write this? Can you edit it for me? And so I honed those skills for for all of my life. And um, it was when my son was um, diagnosed with autism that I finally stepped away from the corporate treadmill and then really dug into my own stories and found that the thing that was the most difficult to share was what resonated with most people. So the more vulnerable I became, oh my gosh, people were like, I had no idea. I've known you for my whole life and I never knew this about you. But we connected on the things that didn't go well. And not from a poor me or, oh my gosh, that's, I feel sympathy, but from a place of empathy 
a place of commonness and a place of how I, I dealt with some of the rough things that were given to me. So that's the long and short of it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Deborah. So when it comes to our stories, um, you know, we all have so many stories, you know, no matter how young, how old we are, we have all these different stories. Right. So when you're communicating, how do you actually make a decision on which story to tell or which story to highlight or which story to emphasize? So I always start with the end in mind. What's my goal for sharing that story? Um, even if I'm writing a blog or doing a speech or teaching a class, what is my goal? What do I want my listener or my student to walk away from that experience feeling? And so then I weave back and say, what stories best highlight or best illustrate what I'm trying to achieve? And I the, the number one rule for me is I'm not willing to share stories that I haven't yet healed myself through, because if I tell a story that I haven't healed that particular wound, what happens is it comes across very differently than coming from a place of here are the lessons that I've taken from that experience and here is an opportunity for you to look at your own story and go from there. So that's kind of the big picture for how I approach what stories I even want to share. That's a great tip there because a lot of us have wounds. It could be from childhood or bullying or, you know, marriage, divorce, uh, whatever it is. And then we tell the story, you know, almost like a victimizing way, right? Like, oh, we're the victim, you know, woe is me. And like... Hi. Yeah, the world owes me something. It's almost like blaming the situation rather than, like you said, how did I overcome it and what lessons do I have to share with the audience, right? Right, right. Yeah, so that's, that's. Um, I'll, can, may I give an example? Yeah, please do. I, I, just, this week, just this week on yeah. my blog, I yeah. finally um, talked about an experience that I had as a 12-year-old kid um, and I hadn't been really willing to share this story before. And what I realized was there were some really powerful lessons that came from this story. So the long and short of it was when um, I was 11, my brother was eight, our mother abandoned our family and she left. I mean, literally just gone. And a lot of people know that story. It's something that I've talked about many times, but a year later, she showed up actually at my school in Pennsylvania. We'd been living in Florida. My dad moved us back to live with our grandparents. And I was in school on a Monday. And my, I, I got a, the call came through that uh, my mother was here to take me to a dentist appointment. And of course, I was so shamed that my mother wasn't around that I thought that the office just got it wrong. Well, long and short of it was she kidnapped me. And she tried to also kidnap my brother. Now, my brother was nine. I was 12. We hadn't seen nor heard from our mother in a year. And she shows up. So my, I went. My brother said no. And he, like, ran back to the school. My mom loaded, us, loaded me on a plane, took me to Miami. And as I got there, I realized that I didn't want to be there. So I got sent back home. But for 30 years... 30 years, the, the story that I told myself about that experience, because my family, of course, never talked about it, was that I made bad decisions because my nine-year-old brother 
decided not to go. Wow. So I was in therapy and that my therapist is like, wait a second, you were a child. Like, why are you holding all this responsibility? And why didn't your brother go? And so I realized we'd never talked about it. So I got together with my brother. We had lunch and I asked him, I said, you remember this experience? And I did this and you did that. And he just started crying. Now we're in our forties, right? He's crying. And he said, Debbie, I have beaten myself up all these years that I didn't go. And I didn't go because I didn't want to leave behind my stuffed animals. Oh, wow. (laughs) A purely child response. And here, you know, I make great decisions, but the message, the, the play was I made poor decisions relative to my younger brother. And so I gave up that power. And so the lesson for me and for my brother was sometimes our perceptions of things that have happened to us aren't actually true. And we beat ourselves up and they have these hooks that really keep us stuck. And so there was just this great opportunity to explore through conversation and and then sharing that story. Of course, the purpose is not, you know, my parents were bad parents. They were doing the best that they could under the time, even my kidnapping mother, like she, she realized her mistake. And, And so just having empathy for everyone and walking away from, from that. So that's an example of my goal in telling that story is that we all have these kinds of stories. They may not be kidnappings, they may not be abandonment, but we have stories that keep us stuck. And if we really step back and, and, uh, and honor where they happened and just love on that child or the person who experienced that, what can we learn? And, and so, that's just a really great example of a story and how the lesson is the important part. Yeah, that was an outstanding story and I love how you told it. And you even threw in a little bit of humor in there too, just to make light of such a, a horrific incident. And I love the lessons learned there and I love the descriptions of everything. So yeah, well done on that, uh, that story example. Um, Thank so, you. Yeah, when it comes to like obviously things with parents or like people who are still alive, like a sibling or a, ex-spouse or something how do you tell that story in a way that's like honoring the person because they might be still alive they might actually listen or read the blog post of the book or the interview right so how do you do it in a way that's still honoring and not like um you know judging them right i think a lot of that comes from healing and 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 realizing and and really tapping in to the empathy piece but in order to tell a story so so Here's the thing is, if you talk to my brother, he would have a different perception. You talk to my mother, different perception. My father, a different perception. And they're all valid. And I think that's a big thing. And so when I tell my story or someone, I encourage someone else to tell their story, it's A, it needs to be from a healed place. Feeling empathy for everyone involved and understanding that your perception is your perception and you have absolutely every right to share it. And so I actually have to write that kind of story as though they're never going to hear it. They're never going to see it, but do it from a place of not blaming because you, you, you hit that, you use that word victim and, and, and I'm okay. If someone else has comes back and says, you know, I don't remember it that way. Okay. That's your perception. And that's cool. 
but this is my story and this is the way that I remember it. This is the way it played out in my life. Yeah, Deborah, great points there. I had a question too about like, how do you get into the place of vulnerability when it comes to your story, especially if it's a story like you've told a lot of times, uh, you know, it's almost like for you, it's second nature, but for the audience, they're like, oh, wow, that's a huge story, a huge revelation, right? So how do you get to a point where it's not just a, you know, like just a verbatim, oh, I've done this a million times. So any thoughts there in terms of like living the story again or living the emotion again or getting that place of vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, because I think in order for our stories to resonate with other people, the vulnerability is the most, probably the, the most critical piece. And so you can have actually what I call a vulnerability hangover if you don't do self-care, right? So really, um, so here's just a couple of things that I do. I actually use essential oils. I use frankincense. I literally put it on my feet to ground myself. I get very um, mindful of what I want to be the outcome, what the purpose is, and then um, you know, really allow myself to get back there. And some of the things that I do is if I'm writing a story from my childhood, I'll very often put on a playlist of music from that time. You know, there's a certain smell um, that was in my grandparents' house. Um, so I'll light a candle that that brings up that scent. And then I'm able to get back into that place and really tap in to the feeling and the emotion. And, but just to share it because I don't want it to be rote because I want people to come on that journey with me. And if I can tap into those feelings while also taking care of myself and honoring my own feeling about it, um, it becomes a more powerful experience. Yeah, I love those ideas of like the uh, reminiscing around the smells and um, the music uh, from that that time period, and maybe some of the food or mm -hmm. some of the sights. Uh, so that's great, bringing in those um, those senses into the process. So how is it different, Deborah, when you're doing the story in terms of like uh, written, like obviously through a blog or social media or a book? or verbal, like a speech or an interview, any thoughts there in terms of the, the way you could tell your story written or uh, verbal? Well, I think um, with verbal, I, I think there are, so that, again, it's the end in mind, but I think that with the, with, for me, a written, I can pull in all of those senses and the story can go in a different way. But oftentimes what's been written then becomes the piece that pulls out to the, to the speech or, or the podcast. And you, it depends on the audience. So if you have some stories need to be condensed, some need to be elongated. Um, but for me, it always starts with a written word because that's when I can romp around and play and get very clear. Um, so I don't know if that's a good enough answer or if that, do you have any follow-up questions? Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely helps there. Like uh, what you're saying, even if you are doing a speech or interview, then you still write it down. And then when it comes to like uh, expressing it, you might improvise it and, you know, like whatever you wrote down, you're basically saying the same thing. Uh, but but I guess there's like things like uh, tones or pauses or humor, like, because if you're talking about like a serious thing, like you said, kidnapping, or like it could be right. rape, rape or incest, or it could be mm -hmm. bullying or a, a divorce. Um, with these like heavy topics, it's not something you laugh about usually, but how do you inject humor and how do you inject pauses and uh, 
emotions, uh, especially the like the, the, the make it lighthearted. Any tops uh, tips there? Right. Well, I think that um, because the the humanity is there, there's always, in my opinion, um, even in the heaviest topics, there's a, a, a again, it's that humanness piece, right? I love to laugh. And even in the darkest things, there's still some funny stuff that like, it's like just so like head scratching. And so if you can, you know, really pull those things in, I think it helps Again, it goes to back, how do you want people to feel? I don't want people to feel heavy when they hear my stories. I want them to feel inspired or, oh my gosh, that is amazing. Or you did this or, or how can I emulate that? Because the ultimate thing is really crappy things happen to people. They happen to all of us at some level. And do you want to, you know, punish yourself? Do you want to feel that, that heaviness? Or do you want to find that common thread and, and, and share some levity. And, and, and for me, there's a fine balance there. Like I'm not going to be talking about necessarily a rape and, 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 and say that that is funny, but probably something in that experience is just absurd. And that might lighten it up as like, this is one, like this is happening, but there's this one piece that I just couldn't forget, you know, like, um, and so that kind of brings the absurdity level, makes it kind of more lighthearted in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it's uh, definitely the important there. Like you said, the, the humanity piece, because we need to laugh even through the crisis and through the difficult mm-hmm. challenges and the struggles. So right, right, yeah, totally. Even on the podcast, we got to laugh as well. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about storytelling. Uh, in terms of your business, you are also helping people write and edit. Tell us a little bit about that side of your business. Yeah, so I um, I, I, I do a lot of editing um, and I do a lot of book editing. And so sometimes that involves coaching people through the process of actually writing their stories. Um, oftentimes it's uh, reading that shitty first draft that, you know, Anne Lamont coined that phrase, the shitty first draft, and then really helping people go deeper because I find that for people, especially when they're talking about challenging subjects, they brush over the really important hard things because it's difficult to get back into those stories. But that's where the healing happens. When one can really dig in and relive it and make that alive for your readers, that's where your healing as the writer happens, but it also then is where the lessons come for the person who's going to ultimately read your book. So having the ability to recognize when people are being surfacey and encouraging them where to go deeper and how to go deeper. Um, I love doing that because it's an honor to really hold that space for somebody and say, I know this is the hard work, but this is what's important and, and to share it in this way. So that's a that's one of my favorite things to do. And then, of course, the, you know, the other side is um, somebody has an idea, but they don't even know how to approach it. Um, it seems too big, and so I just have this ability to help get the big picture. But then let's break it down into get this part. Let's focus on getting this piece done, then the next, and then making it a building block process so that it's positive. You know, ultimately, I want people's book writing experiences and publishing. I want them to say, man, that was not what I expected, but holy cow, that was awesome. And I loved the wheel. I had a chance to look at your website before, and you have this cool 
five-step uh, process wheel. To walk us through that wheel uh, of uh, how you work with your clients. Yeah, so um, gosh, you're making me remember. So the biggest piece, um, which is the first step, is really mindset. And mindset is really the fact that you can write a book and that what you have to share is just really the world needs our stories because not only does it help the, the writer, but it helps the reader. And your, your story, if you're being called to share it, you're being called for a reason and how you can do that and, and how to get away from the vulnerability overload. And, and what, you know, the, the big question is, well, nobody wants my story and why me? And, and so setting that foundational mindset piece, but then using it throughout every stage, because honestly, as we go through, you know, where we're, we're investigating how that book is going to be laid out, like sort of the big outline, the big rocks, then, you know, the actual writing part of it, and then the editing and review piece. Then we get to the publishing and we get right before publishing, what happens is a couple of things. People get sick. They lose, literally lose their voices as they're getting ready to publish. They lose their voice. Um, and, and they have this, uh, I'm not really ready to be seen piece. And so I view it as my honor to hold that space for people and say, you know what, you've come this far. Let's look back and, and man, it's totally normal what you're feeling. We, I got you. We're going to do this. We're going to be there together and then helping them celebrate because oftentimes people, they have these long lists of tasks and especially after the process of writing a book, it's so long, but then you've got to celebrate, take that moment and celebrate and just revel in the people who are loving on your book and loving on you and, and validating your experiences. Um, that's the, that's part of it, taking that and, and getting it that whole wheel and, and then starting it again. <laughs> awesome. And so the cycle continues. Yeah. So, uh, Deborah, if people wanted to get help uh, with the whole storytelling uh, piece or in terms of the writing, the publishing piece, the editing piece, uh, what's your website, social media? How can they connect and learn more? Sure. Um, so my website is um, Deborah Keevan. It's www. D E B O R A H K E V is in Victor I N dot com. Um, that's my website. There's a link to contact me on there, or you can just call contact me at Debbie, which is D E B B Y at Deborah Keevan dot com. And um, I'm social media. I'm on Facebook at Deborah Keevan Writer. Uh, and also on Instagram is Debbie Keevan Writer. And so I'm both places, all those places you can find me. And uh, I have, I do a blog. I do blog posts every week and uh, lots of great writing tips are on there. So you're welcome to sign up for that as well. <laughs> there you go. Nice and easy. I'll have those links below so you can connect with Deborah. So Deborah, thank you so much for coming on to the show and enlightening us about this very important area of storytelling. Thank you so much for having me, Ricky. And I, I, I understand you're doing a speech coming up here pretty soon. So I look forward to, to hearing your stories. <laughs> I'll definitely be incorporating some of your wisdom into my own storytelling, not just for the TEDx talk, but uh, for upcoming uh, books, blogs, and of course, more speeches. So thanks again, Deborah. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
You as well. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Uh, make sure you uh, also let your story shine and uh, implement all of these strategies that Deborah has suggested. And if you need help telling your story, definitely reach out to Deborah. She's a great coach, and she can also help you edit and publish your own books. So 